You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Mackey, Judd Zogad. It's a cultural wasteland filled with inappropriate metaphors and an unrealistic portrayal of life created by the liberal media elite. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hey, a big thank you to start this hour to all of the great listeners who were able to raise a record-breaking $48,163 during yesterday's 7th Annual Sports Fantasy Auction. All the money raised will be going to benefit Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute's ABLE program and the ABLE Scholarship Fund. Thank you to everyone who called in to bid and purchase all the items. Thanks to the great sponsors and partners as well. ABLE Chiropractic, TCL TV, Town Hall Brewery, Federated Insurance, Sun Country Airlines, Minutemen, and of course all of our local sports teams. I think they're going to check Pineda. Remember, against the Red Sox, he had what looked like pine on his hand. Later said it was dirt. But foul is going out to check Pineda. Now they're checking his back. And they're throwing him out of the game. He went to his neck and he said there's something on his neck, so Pineda is being tossed. And now he is all ours. There was something on his <laughs> neck. He had a mound of goo on his neck. That was the most most egregious. That was the most egregious thing I've ever seen. Every every pitcher uses something to get a little extra grip on the ball, but don't don't put a pound of it on the side of your neck. You don't have to screw the entire thing on the side of your neck and then go out to the mound. So that's that was Michael Pineda with the Yankees a couple years ago now. And, or maybe it was last year. I don't know. Last year, a couple years ago. The Twins, let's go over some hot stove stuff here. We have Vikings news to get to uh here in the next ten minutes or so, but Here is an update on Twins Hot Stove Ruminations. Michael Pineda signed to a two-year, $10 million contract. Here's the catch. He underwent Tommy John surgery last summer, around July, sometime in July. And he's expected to miss almost, if not the entire, 2018 season. So I believe I saw it's $2 million for 2018. Correct, and $8. $8 for 2019. Yep. When he's been healthy, he's been really good. Home run prone at Yankee Stadium. But he's been a guy who misses bats. He's been a guy who, even with the Mariners, so he's had shoulder surgery and elbow surgery now. So there's there's definitely a bargain bin aspect to this signing. But this is a long play. This is more for 2019. This isn't a move to help the Twins this upcoming season. And it's not for a lot of money. You know, it's $2 million, $8 million. But he misses bats. He's a strikeout per inning guy as a starter. The Twins don't have many, if any of those, mm-hmm. the last several years. And he has a career ERA around four, expected ERA around three and a half if you take him out of that bandbox ballpark uh, in uh, New York. I am. I, I remain very curious <clears throat> to see if the Darvish thing, because uh, I, I saw some comments about him today as well. I'm very curious if the Twins are genuinely interested and are going to pursue him uh, or if this is a play where, where they're curious about him, they're, they're willing to offer him something, but it's not going to be nearly enough. Well, Paul Molitor just told the assembled media today that they are very serious about you, Darvish. It's amazing that I think in the Terry Ryan era, they were all very much encouraged, don't, don't say anything about the players we're chasing. And these guys are like, you know, uh, 
Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are going on MLB Network Radio and different places saying, oh, yeah, we're all in you, Darvish. Yeah. We, Chris Jimenez talked to the Pioneer Press yesterday or sometime during the winter meetings. He was the personal catcher for you, Darvish, in Texas. And he said, yeah, I've been putting the full court press on him, telling him all the things that are great about Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. And there's also a story out about you, Darvish, tipping pitches against the Astros in the playoffs last year in the World Series. So if you're wondering, man, he got shelled in the World Series, I'd feel much better if I were going to dish out $100 million to him if it were a pitch-tipping issue as opposed to just his stuff wasn't good enough against that lineup. Do you recall that actually went back to his time in Texas? I want to say the Rangers played the Marlins at some point in June or July of last year, and and that came out. It was his start right before the trade. Yes, and then he got traded, and and the Dodgers uh, supposedly tried to work with, with him on it and now we see the same story again. So, but but here here's what I don't get about the old uh, the, the old school twins in saying you know don't talk about this or that. It doesn't hurt. Like if teams think if competitors think that, that you're going to pursue him and they come in and say oh my gosh we can't l- let him go to the twins that doesn't hurt you one bit. It actually makes sense to get it out there that you like him, and if you get him that's great. And if somebody comes in and says okay we'll give you six years and it ultimately hurts them, that helps you. Yeah, I, I, There's no I, upside to me to try and hide something like that. I have a feeling the process is, is going to play out this way. So let's say the Twins are in for four years. Hey, we'll give you four years. Four years, $80 million, or mm-hmm. whatever. Four years, $90 million, which I'm all in on that too. If I can get a guy from age 29 through like age 33 and pay him a bunch of money and then be done, and then I don't have to deal with age 35, uh, sign me up for that. But if they offer him a four-year contract, and, and there's nothing reported about the terms, I'm just making the I'm just making this scenario up. I've covered the winter meetings about four different times, and this is kind of how it goes down. Right. You only really sign if you're a top pitcher if someone gives you everything you want at the winter meetings. Otherwise, you drag it on until January, February. So if if it turns into this, you know what? We like your offer, but we're gonna wait until someone offers five or six years. If you're the twins, do you jump up? Do you go five or six years? Six years on you, Darvish, makes me really nervous. But if you get a team that does, I'd be fine with that. If if a competitor in your league comes in and says, oh my gosh, the Twins like this guy at four years, we'll go six, I'd say, okay, that that's fine. I guess I don't, I've, I've never understood the incentive to keep things quiet. The more that gets out there, you might get the guy, but you also might might get uh, a team that you're competing with to make a dumb play yeah. for him, and, and I'd be fine with that. We're not talking about we're not talking about like war information here. We're not talking about you know a secret attack. Or, well, I, this is sports. You don't sure. need to be super secretive. It's but, sports. But there are some things where if you're trying to make a trade or something, I get that. But at times, the the play that the Twins are making here. Seems smart. So. Uh, also, relievers are flying off the board, too. Brandon Morrow and Pat Neshek are already off the board. Tommy Hunter to the Phillies for like $9 million a year, I think, on a two-year contract. Did my guy Shaw come off the board? I think he did, too. Brian Shaw to the Rockies, and that's yeah, a that's three-year funny. deal for about $27 million. That was a write that down. That just went Would you have given side. Brian Shaw three years, $27 million? That's so aggressive. He's good, but he's, for God's sakes. I'd consider it, yeah. That yeah. is yes. such an absurd yes, I contract. I, I probably would. I probably would, yeah. Three years. I mean, like, that's 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 ridiculous money for a guy who's not Look at the money being thrown around, though. End. You're right. Am I being too the, the bullpen too money, The Yes. The bullpen money now is going to be astronomical. Given the importance put on these guys now, 
And the way that baseball is changing, guess what? If you're going to get these guys, you're going to have to pay way too much. And and I, I'm telling you, the thing that always stops me with pitching in baseball is term, and that goes to starters. So if I can get a guy, if I can overpay a guy, but it's three years, I'll probably do it. Now, if it's six years, I probably say no. Yeah, there's got. I'd have to go look at a list here. I, it's it's tough. There's so many guys. Uh, actually, here's here's one that just came across. There's so many things happening this week. Uh, Marcel Ozuna, one of the best players for the Marlins, the uh, the Marlins the last several years, has just been traded to the Cardinals pending a physical. Go Jeter. So <laughs> just, there you go. The ultimate fire sale. I love I love that the uh, the Cardinals were in on Giancarlo Stanton had a deal in place. Stanton uses the no trade clause. So they yes. just say, "Oh, who's the second best player on your team? We'll take him instead." Yeah. <laughs> and Man. the Marlins say, "Okay, no problem. That's fine." The Marlins are going to be really bad for a really long time, they're, and they've been really bad for a really long time. They're, they're going to draw nothing too, and they deserve it. They haven't drawn, but they haven't drawn. Period. Anyways. Right, but it's going to be worse now. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. No, there's there's other guys out there. Let's see. The I, Ro- the Rockies also uh, brought back Jake McGee, and I think they brought back Greg Holland. It I looks think, like really? interesting. So they're just bringing back everyone, and they brought Holland in back, Brian huh? Shaw. So there's not a whole, Wade Davis is still out there. I think Addison Reed is still out there. I think the Marlins are are an example of if you get a stadium built, you somehow should be penalized if you then dump. So if if your town builds you a stadium, and you start dumping off like this. I mean, this is drastic. This, That's really hard to quantify, Padres. though, because if you really like the prospects that come back, I mean, I yeah, don't know but how you the police stand, that. But the Stanton trades brings you back what? How do you police that, though? How do you tell I'll figure out a way. Okay. I'll figure out a way. I'm just saying, if you get a stadium built and you pull this stunt, it looks really, really bad. It is really it bad. It reflects yeah. really bad. But you know what? Those it's not like those fans are loyal anyways. They're not going to be missing it. It's not like there's been a bunch of Marlins fans packing I, that stadium. I told you yesterday, the Montreal Marlins sounds perfect to me. Montreal Marlins. Get a team back there. There's alliteration. Move them out, move them out of Florida. Put them in Montreal. Uh, Vikings news. Yes, sir. Mike Zimmer said Elfline, Remmers, and Reef all should be back. He expects them all to be back against the Bengals on oh, Sunday. So the full offensive line's and, back intact. Yeah, right. and Elf, that was the thing you were worried about. It, it was Elfline missed uh, because of a shoulder problem the one game on Sunday. Remmers has not played since the bye week because he had a concussion problem and then a back problem. Uh, Reef came out of the game uh, with an ankle issue in the third quarter on Sunday. He is my biggest concern. Now, let me say this, though. The one thing about this offensive line is, and I, I get the, the fact that you that you want to win as, as many of these three uh, games left as possible. The one thing about this line is I definitely want to get these guys healthy, especially Reef. I want to make sure that I can go into the playoffs with him as healthy as possible. So if he can play through it and he's fine, that's fine. Um, but this offensive line, I think the one, I think one of the main things that your playoff opportunities hinge on is the health of this line in playoff game one for you. I think playing at home is even more important, though. So you have to whatever you need to do the next three and games that's what to, you have to, win. to win all three games. Uh, now, if you get to week seventeen and there's nothing left, then all right, those guys get a chance to rest. Uh, you definitely don't want to rest everyone if you have a first round buy in week seventeen because then you're going two weeks. two weeks. But you know what? I I think that applies more to the skill position players and the quarterback. Not that it doesn't apply to the other positions, but I'm more comfortable sitting a right tackle for that game and having him be mm-hmm. out for three weeks than start than have my starting quarterback sit out. 
So if it got to that point where there's nothing else to play for, you're the number two seed, it's week 17, and you've clinched the division and whatever, I would definitely put Case Keenum and company out there for the first quarter or first half just to keep them in the flow of things. Like two series. But I would sit, if if there was an offensive lineman in question, I would for sure sit him and let him get three weeks to ramp up for uh, for the divisional round. All three, though, expected to uh, play, I guess, according to Zim, against the Bengals. Good news. That's good news. Uh, you th- at first, it felt like, well, classic Vikings heartbreak. It's just going to come down to injuries, and if all well, five guys are going to be intact, well, then when, that's a big thing. When Reef's leg bent backwards, I thought he just tore his knee up. Yeah, for it to only be an ankle there was yeah. pleasantly surprising. Um, all right, quarterback cesspool challenge when we return here, and Dave Harrigan is is crying controversy, and I think that Dave should just go get his ears cleaned. This could yeah. get ugly. Personally. Truth and justice is on my side. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see All about right, that. All right, Jack McCoy, thanks. We'll see about that. Mackie and Judd now continue. Get the name right, and then if you're lucky, it'll appear. On 1500 ESPN. Football! Football! Hey, can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. It is time for our weekly quarterback cesspool challenge where we celebrate the bad quarterbacks in the NFL and the atrocious, well, embarrassing performances. So many of them, too. Uh, there's been so many bad quarterbacks. It's been a delightful year with a lot of guys who probably shouldn't be stepping on an NFL field uh, doing so. And then the second part of it, we do the quarterback cesspool challenge picks, kind of like poker where they have a game called Raz. The goal is to put together the worst possible hand. Mm-hmm. No pairs, no straights, nothing, just the worst possible hand. And that's what we do. We can only pick one quarterback once each all season long. And uh, the standings are, are very close together here in terms of the average composite QBR score, but let's start by celebrating. Let's do three things here. Let's celebrate the worst performances from last year. Let's address the elephant controversy in the room, and then let's make our picks. All right. And we'll see if we can get through all this. All right. Okay. Uh, Let's start with, according to ESPN's QBR, the third worst performance of last week. Mariota, and it's picked off by Tremont Williams. Williams on the return, and he's tackled at the 16 yard line. Mistake by Mariota, his 13th interception of the year. Actually, two of the bottom three came in the same game. Marcus Mariota with a couple of picks wow. against the Cardinals. And, you know, on the season, he has one of the worst passer ratings of any quarterback in the NFL. What's happening there? 10 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, mm-hmm. and a 76.9 Christian Ponder-like passer rating. That's pretty bad for a guy who was maybe going to break out. I was going to say, yeah, who had, had a lot of expected of him. That's that's awful. Yeah. And he looked across the sidelines on Sunday and saw this man. Second and goal. Gabbert, pressure coming, and he's sacked. Gabbert looks to go to the air. Cyprian coming, and Cyprian has the sack. Gabbert was so bad on Sunday. He had the second worst individual QBR and didn't throw a pick. So he was so bad he in was my everything guy. else. He was my guy on was Sunday. Your guy. I yep. was so happy. He, how bad do you have to be to not throw an interception and still have the second worst QBR in the NFL for a week? I thought he was outstanding to me. That's pretty amazing. It was glorious. And then uh, another guy who's sort of surprising to see on this list, number one, the worst performance of the week. Going deep and through the hands of Holton, picked off by Till. They'll take a knee at the seven. Another pick thrown by the quarterback, Carr. 
And that's all she wrote for the Raiders today. Two interceptions for Derek Carr. Another guy's taking some steps back this year. Yeah, he's 19th in the NFL in passer rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, below Jameis Winston, below Andy Dalton, below Dak Prescott, and Josh McCown, and a bunch of other guys. Case Keenum, obviously. So uh, those are the three worst performances of the week. And uh, Dave, according to the rules that Judd and I thought we were all playing by, was last week's loser because he picked Nathan Peterman. And the goal is to pinpoint horrible performances. So anyone would have picked Nathan Peterman. It was a gamble because he wasn't necessarily going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. But he was the starter. Snowy, terrible Buffalo conditions. You'd (laughs) think it would be a guaranteed seven-pick performance. (laughs) Instead, before he got knocked out with an injury, he braved the wintry conditions and had a very respectable, actually a fantastic 84.5 QBR in that game against the Colts. 84.6, I should say. would have thunk it. Yep. So uh, I'm not that, sure where the controversy is here, to be honest with you. Yeah, why? Uh, by what measure was he good again? Uh, QBR. QBR. Now, which QBR is that? Uh, QBR because is the ESPN total QBR. In the box uh, yeah, score. I, I see that uh, QBR, they have uh, two different QBRs, the raw and the total QBR. Uh, the total, which we have been using all season, uh, to base our rankings on, I, you know, eighty four point six. Yeah, that's the raw. Mm. Shoot, we don't have a total QBR. Uh, let's see here. I'm on Nathan Peterman's ESPN.com page. Yeah, yeah, they only list the raw QBR because a quarterback who played uh, as few plays as he did does not have a total QBR. He cannot register under that number, unfortunately. So I'm not sure what you are looking at. Judd, I'm on Nathan Peterman's ESPN.com profile. All right. I'm hovering over his performance against the Colts. Yeah. Uh, when you hover over the QBR stat, what does that glossary explanation 80, say? 84. No, 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 no. Uh, total quarterback rating. What's that first word? Total. And then the mm. second two words are? Quarterback. Total quarterback. And the last word is rating. So total QBR. That's interesting. I'm not saying that. I no. think we have a sore loser on our hands here. Well, I thought we had precedent here. We do. I thought, see, th- this is the issue. I thought we had, I thought we got you, Phil Mackey, on this very issue weeks ago. So what happens is, this is in the weeds. ESPN puts together a weekly ranking list of the performances, but you have to, 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 for whatever reason, to be on that list, you have to throw a certain number of passes. A minimum of 20 action plays. It does not include uh, just passes. It's any play where the quarterback does basically anything more than hand the ball off, which unfortunately Nathan Peterman didn't do. Yeah, Dave wasn't paying attention in uh, week five of the season when I picked Mitchell Trubisky, mm-hmm. who, yes. al- who also, taking over for Mike Glennon, I remember who this, also yes. was limited because he played the full game, but they just didn't trust him mm-hmm. so he only threw like 15 passes and they just he, he didn't do a whole lot and so he didn't show up in the standings either Correct. so that prompted us to have two rules going forward after the Mitchell Trubisky controversy rule number one is if a quarterback doesn't play period if you pick a guy and say you know what I'm gonna roll with I'm gonna roll with um, um, Kyle Sloter because he sucks and I'm he's gonna be terrible and he doesn't play yes. then you get hit with a 75 QBR which is almost a guaranteed loss because there should be a punishment for picking a quarterback that doesn't play. And the only other rule was if your quarterback does play, his QBR on his player page, if is if he's not qualified for the the full list, yeah, the box score. or from the box score would be the determining factor That's here. Very interesting how you just made that rule up in the last two minutes. Uh, does the name Charlie Blackman mean anything to you guys? 
Colorado Rockies. I don't know where this is going. Yeah, NL batting champ this past year hit like three thirty. Was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Does the name Jeremy Hazelbaker mean anything to you? Oh, let me guess. He went one for one and could have won the batting title. No, he didn't go one for one. But he was a twenty-nine-year-old outfield call-up. Made a couple Mm. different stints with the Arizona Diamondbacks this uh, past season. He hit three forty-six. Actually, a tick higher than even Jose Altuve did, winning the AL batting champion and crushing Black. But that's just funny. He didn't have enough bats uh, bats to qualify. It's kind of like a quarterback who, in the cesspool challenge, didn't have enough plays to qualify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting how that works, how there's this thing called sample size that you need to actually make a judgment on somebody versus, you know, hey, he went one for two through the air. Hey, he's a great quarterback. So I'll say this. Dave brings up a very good point that sample size should factor into the quarterback cesspool challenge. Mm -hmm. We have not done a good enough job defining these rules Throughout the course of the season. And just because you were lazy in defending yourself in week three, that doesn't mean that my defense isn't absolutely uh, perfect. It's simply uh, laziness on your part. It's like a guy who goes to court and defends himself against a traffic ticket. No, you go get yourself a public defender, my man. Well, this is all in fear of having to go through a punishment. No, uh, Like eating salting crackers again. I don't care about the punishments. I don't want the loss on my ledger. So let's do this because we always, this is, we have a fair way of deciding these disputes on the show. We do this all the time and write that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, ra- there's three people, majority rules. Raise your hand if Dave lost this week. Oh, yeah. Or say I. 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 Sorry. Oh, man. That was close. It was a two to one vote. That's actually not how things are decided really, at all. <laughs> really close. Who's got the standings? Uh, I do. Okay, well, then you're just going to give Dave a loss, and it's going to be, that, that'll that be it. And because because Dave took a loss, uh, uh, and, <laughs> and then, but then, like, is protesting the loss, instead of picking first this week, Dave is going to pick third. It's really interesting how seriously you guys are taking it this week. Phil having not paid a punishment that's still owed to him since, like, week I two. Done updates. Judd, all he does is pick his own punishments because he refuses to do the punishments we asked. I wore a, ma- I wore a mask. Work. Hey, Last I'm week. gonna do a mask and uh, stand with my feet Listen, two feet apart for a little while. Got, hey, that's a punishment. This goes back to the fact that you're upset about the cracker thing being really late. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you back, guys picked that punishment. I did what cra- you guys asked me to, to do. Thing. You asked me to eat crackers. I said, I guess if that's right, what you want. Let's fire it up. Let's fire it up. All right, pick number one. Well, all right, this week is being played under protest. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I get to pick number one then because Dave is refusing his right to pick number one overall in week fifteen. There's a there's a terrible third-string quarterback facing the Jacksonville Jaguars defense on the road, and I will gladly take it. TJ Yates! Not a bad performance from Yates last week, to be honest. Being the third quarterback the Texans have had to turn to this season, he came on in relief of Tom Savage and acquitted himself fairly well against the 49ers. In a losing performance, but he accounted for two touchdown passes, no interceptions, while completing over 50% of his passes for 175 yards. However, if you look at the clear numbers, you'll find TGH to be absolutely the definition of mediocre, which could take you to Pool glory, but it's not always a guarantee. However, if you look ahead to this week's matchup in Jacksonville against a very formidable Jaguars passing defense, look for TJ Yates to be an absolute steal of a pick in the cesspool for week 15. All right, TJ Yates. Uh, Go and, TJ. And uh, much, this is like the Vikings who are on the clock but continue to refuse Kevin to pick. Williams, right? so, so Judd is now on the clock. Okay, with the second pick, I will just say this. Dave today is being very petty. Bryce Petty. 
When you look at the landscape of backup quarterbacks in the NFL, it would be hard to find anybody worse than Bryce Petty, considering the fact he's been backing up a McCown. He came out in relief last week as the Jets were shut out on the road in Denver, completed just two of nine passes for 14 yards. A brutal performance, but would we expect anything less from this young man? This week, he goes to the Big Easy, but it should be anything but easy. Taking on an upstart Saints defense, look for another truly gloriously horrible performance from Bryce. Bryce Petty. Uh, who does he play for again? The Jets, right? He's the Jets, Jets backup. Yeah, okay. he's the Jets backup quarterback. God, that is glorious. Going to have to uh, face the Saints. And with the third overall pick in Week 15, yeah, I'm going to actually do something a little gutsy. I'm going to pick a quarterback who's you know starter in this league, not a guy like you. You know, pick a couple third oh, stringers. That's fine. Who are guaranteed to play? I won't. I will not be shamed into denying TJ Yates. Here come the shots. I want Andy. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton bringing his Cincinnati offense to Minnesota this week to take out a defense that frankly got dominated by Cam Newton and the Panthers last week. Right, Phil? Anyway, Dalton, he was awful in Week 14 against the Bears at home where the Bengals put up to seven points. Dalton completing under 50% of his passes, had a touchdown pass, but also an interception to go along with it. The Red Rifle better not shoot him in the eye this week or the Vikings will eat him alive and send him to the cesspool winner's circle. Yeah, Cam Newton last week. Well, they have 47.4 QBR. Imagine what Nathan Peterman would have done to that Vikings defense. Man, he would have lit them up. This guy lasted past the first series. This guy contentious this week. Contentious. Uh, So so week 14 will have uh, a large asterisk next to it in the history of quarterback successful challenge. It'll have a large asterisk or something like that, something close (laughs) to that next to it. Uh, Is questions going to be ready or is his questions boycott in the next segment? No, questions is always ready. Questions ready to fire three good ones at you boys. I don't know if you'll be able to handle it. Probably not. (laughs) All right, Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Frankly, I think the dogs don't like them because, well, because sometimes they bring bad news. Mackey and Judd. Animals sense those things, you know. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing funny about this, Rick. Nothing funny about this. <laughs> a serious segment. A lot of dissension on this show right now, Rick. Dave? Do you have questions for, Dave, do you have questions for us? I do. <laughs> okay. I have three questions every day. And you're not mad now? You're not bristling still about your the fact that you took a loss? And there's, and there's not. Well, no, much I you didn't can take all this. That's just the thing. We just don't see eye to eye on that. Yeah, you okay, guys, okay. Right. easy, Roy okay. Moore. Easy, Roy yeah. Moore. <laughs> Wow. I want to recount. Nah, dude, just uh, just go away. Hey, my lawyer's Jewish, okay? <laughs> I voted for Nick Saban. Hey, listen, I was, I'm, I've, I have a black Facebook friend, okay? <laughs> I got in the booth and I voted for Nick Saban. <laughs> Roll Tide! <laughs> All right, this broke shortly after our show ended yesterday, I believe. The Vikings making a... Eh, probably not very significant move, but hey, it's significant in just the way I read it because they waived Jack Tacho or Tocho, however we go with it, and signed a fellow by the name of Storm Norton. 
He could be a wrestler with that name. He sounds Storm like one Norton. hell of a football player. That's a He's going to be name. a great special teams player, right? Just Storm flying down with reckless Norton. abandon. Just throwing a helmet. Storm Norton. And it's, He'd be uh, a great, a, he would be a great like smallish market Florida weatherman. Let's go to yeah. Storm Norton yep. with the, hur- the hurricane projections. That's absolutely yeah. true. But oh, he's you know a football what's funny? player. Have you guys ever looked up a picture of Storm Norton? No. Okay. No, I can't say. That. <laughs> well, well, how? Don't look. Okay. What would you guess Storm Norton looks like? By the way, it's exactly what I thought he looks like when I was envisioning Storm Norton. I would guess very muscle bound and doesn't look like the whole lot behind the eyes. I would. I would say Lesnar like. So I'm picturing like an American gladiator, or just with the name Storm. Yeah, you guys are pretty close. My first thought was, for sure, a white guy with long, flowing blonde hair. Yep. Here's yep. a picture of Storm Norton in a lion oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah, long, yeah, flowing blonde hair. Storm Norton <laughs> lived up to exactly what we thought he'd look like. Oh, man. I'm excited to have him on the Viking special teams or whatever the hell he's. He's an offensive lineman. Great right? name to grow so, up with. Cool. You think he, you Storm? Know, obviously, offensive lineman. You think he ever made a tackle you know, on special teams or whatever and stood over the guy saying, The storm's just blowing in. The thunder rolls. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him for one second, would you? <laughs> God, no. In fact, I would do it. Let's uh, let's get to it, though. That's obviously a great sports name. This is something we've probably discussed a few times in the past, but let's do it again. Quick, uh, quick brainstorm. Favorite names in sports that you can think of right off the top of your head? You know, the, the, the top one that always comes to mind was one of my first autographs as a kid. That's right. He wrote his name on an 8.5 by 11 selfie of him. Dick Trickle. Dick Trickle. It does good. get better than that. You're right. The late Dick Trickle, I believe. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dick Trickle, who uh, who used to smoke cigarettes while in the car while racing. How about Coco Crisp? Very solid. Coco Crisp it's is a good. good one. That's pretty good. Boog Powell. Always love that one. Not the second one, the first one. Boog Powell. Because he looked like Boog Powell. Big fat guy. That sounds like Boog Powell. Um, There's a few like. Let's is see. it um, the first base coach for the Kansas City Royals for all those years, Rusty? Yep. Rusty K. <laughs> Rusty Koontz. Yep. That's how it's pronounced? Yes. Yeah, he's Twins. not fooling anyone. Twin center fielder in the 83-ish or so, right before Puck. It's always funny when s- someone in the family lineage changes the pronunciation of the name, knowing it's embarrassing, like that Matt Weiner guy on NBA TV. Yeah. He took the E out of the yeah, name. he's a wiener. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget Jim Bob Cooter, of course. Yep. How about uh, Dick Pohl? Dick Pohl is a pitcher for the Red Sox, I believe. Really? Yes, real name, too. Good for him. Not making that L- up. A little bit redundant, but... Richard Richard Pohl. There's a million different ways you could deliver your first name, too. Richard, Rich, yeah, Richie. Right. Yeah, but you elected to just go with Dick. Yeah. <laughs> hi, I'm, hi, I'm Dick Pohl. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Perhaps you needed to make a statement. That's fine. <laughs> Okay, we can move on. Uh, winter meetings going on right now. It's a slow cook in baseball, as we know, versus the other sports, which are rapid fire for the most part. So, guys, let's do this. Let's take our big four, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, and let's do one of these. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Rank them as far as off off-season intrigue in your mind. Oh, uh, do you want me to go first? Yes. Sure, Judd. <laughs> All right. 
That's great. <laughs> number four. Number four would be baseball, no question about it. In fact, I, I think baseball should find a way to expedite the process to actually make it so the teams start to sign guys quicker because it just takes too long. And I get that baseball's a slow cook and blah, blah, blah. But there is an excitement that exists in other sports when signings start that is completely lacking in baseball. Number three will actually be my sport, hockey, which does a good job but not as good as two and one. Two right now, National Football League. Hmm. Because I think the most intriguing intriguing moves made now in the last couple of years, the NBA's done a fantastic job. I would argue the NBA, the NBA free agency and trade periods might be more compelling than the season itself at times. So four baseball, three hockey, two football, and one. NBA. So wow. Um so rank them again? Sorry. So uh, four baseball. Okay. Three wow, hockey. Okay. Two football. And I, I think in the past couple of years, basketball has done a fantastic job of drawing intrigue to itself so in the offseason. You're really hard on baseball there. Uh the NHL is fourth because nobody knows who any of the players are. That's not true. I do. <laughs> I know who they are. I go home and watch uh <laughs> Coverage. I know you, off-season coverage. I know you do, TSN, but there's okay? an audience out there well, listening I'm so, to the I'm, show. I'm somebody, and I it, and me and my buddies all love it. In fact, if I were to, I bet you, if I pulled up a list of like the top five NHL free agent signings, that at least two or three of them, people, the majority of people would have no idea who they all are. All right, okay, so, so you that's why they're number four. They, okay. they, there's just there's not enough good marketing of the sport. Number three, NFL. Only because most of the offseason is fluff. It's schedule releases, and then the order in which your schedule will be played. Um, and then there's the there's the like offensive linemen who will sign big contracts, but it's never any it's never quarterbacks until maybe Kirk Cousins this offseason. So the most prominent names in the sport rarely hit free agency. But the NFL draft is intriguing, and those B and C level free agents, the left. Guard Those or first whatever. couple days are pretty good, but yeah. it's never quarterbacks, and it's rarely the top yeah. skill position players. So if the most prominent players in your sport aren't actually switching teams, it goes down a peg for me. Number two, Major League Baseball, because the opposite is true. It's always huge names that it's and it's absurd contracts and rumors that stretch out for two and three months. If baseball was a little bit more timely, in you know exactly when guys are going to sign, and it's all the big names, they'd be about. number one, which is why the NBA is number one. The NBA, it's storylines and it's LeBron. Imagine if every offseason, where's Tom Brady going to play? Oh, my God, he's going to go play for the Browns this the year. NBA it's does crazy. A, does a fantastic job. Yeah, the NBA offseason has become a monster. So NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL. Yeah, baseball's to too me. high on your list. That's fine. I like it. I know you do. <laughs> It's all about me. Yeah, shocking. Judd just can't wait for anything. Now, 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 now. That's what you're all about. That's probably true. Except ratings. Whoa! Oh, see, that's, that's bitterness. That's a bitterness from a segment ago that just came out right now. The word <laughs> from my sources at the XL Energy Center last night where that Judd Zolgad showed up for the wild game, as he always does. He went through the <laughs> gates, hopped on the elevator to ride on up to the press box, and... Well, that elevator happened to also contain Sirs Anthony LaPanta and Mike Greenlay. Two of my favorites. That's not true. Judd got off that elevator, as I am uh, to understand it by my source. No worse for the wear. Mm-hmm. Let's just say Anthony LaPanta and Mike Greenlay had handled that situation properly. 
How should Judd have exited the elevator? <laughs> so I have so many questions about this. Or should Judd have exited well, the elevator? In a body bag is a uh, appropriate response. We're going to want to ride that down to the basement. This man's so dead. You've been very critical of uh, of the broadcast team, uh, the wild broadcast team. Yeah, both on Twitter and in, on the show, yes. Yep. So what was your level of uncomfortableness when you stepped in the elevator and realized, oh, it's just the three of us? First of all, were you on it first? Were they on it first? Were you waiting at the same time? They were on it first coming up from downstairs <laughs> in the basement. I, I was on floor one where they had to stop on the way up to the press box, and it was— it, <laughs> Did you hesitate? It was—no, no. Like, no, you can't hesitate. It was— Did you say hi? Yes. I got in and said, hey, guys. And? Anthony said, hi, Judd. And that was about it. And uh, there was one other person and the and Fran. Fran does a great job in that ele- elevator all night long, up and down and floor after floor. She's a saint. Works the entire game. So it was her, it was Fran, Greenlight. So Fran Lepanta, made it less awkward. Than Z- it Zolgad been. and then another person as well. Okay. So it was it's not just it was not just the three of us. Okay. But anyway, you know, Dave Dave's claim was that he would have actually. If he had been in their shoes, done me physical harm. <laughs> well, to answer Dave's question, if if it could have played out the way that it probably should have played out, you guys have seen the end of the movie The Departed, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets shot in the head. The, the elevator opens. <laughs> I'm a talk show host. I'm a talk show host. That's what I am. <laughs> so who, okay. So if that's the case, who would have shot whom first and how would it have gone down? Oh, and man. whose body would have stopped the door as it tried to close? <laughs> <laughs> would that have been me? I think Fran probably would have taken you all out. Yeah. She oh, would yeah, have been Fran Wahlberg by the end of it wearing the covers over her shoes walking out. <laughs> Fran's loved, so you're right. She would have been absolutely fine. Do you ever think about, because you, you, oh. you're around press boxes a lot more than I am these days. So do you ever think about the uncomfortable nature of these interactions? I mean, I'm going to have one. Dick Bramer blocked me on Twitter. And that's yeah. him being a little too thin-skinned. Although we've criticized him before, and every time I see him, he always gives me the jovial, hello, Judd. See, I think he tries yeah, to— I don't think that's going to happen I think the next he, time he sees me. I think he tries to play it off like it doesn't bug him. Listen, but, we're all just—we're we're, we're, tongue-in-cheek, we're having fun, and— I know, like this you're... departed thought, though. Like, I want to know who would have done what, and would I have been the guy stuck in the door as it tried to close? <laughs> and Fran, you're right, Fran would have just walked off, that would have been it. I think you would have been the Matt Damon character. You realize it's over. You've got your bag of groceries, and you just all right, fine, fine, let yeah. me have it. <laughs> just p- puts puts the groceries down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Mackie and Judd now continue. It's that time again on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd. We're just uh, watching the hot stove stuff on MLB Network here, waiting for the Twins to to do something with their bullpen, and they haven't yet, but I think they're going to do something worth millions of dollars with that bullpen still. It just depends on uh, on if it happens this week or it if it happens later on in the offseason. Yep. So, um, all right, let's do two things this segment, starting with if you missed it earlier or if you bailed on it because you hate it, we're going to hit you with it again here. It's track two off Songs by the U-Log Volume 3. Speaking of the Twins... A major success story last year, one of the best turnarounds in baseball history, and it was a collection of three guys roaming the pastures, gentlemen, that made it all happen. Boys, you know what I love most about baseball? Oh, is it the bombs, Dave? Is it the double switch? No, it's outfield defense. Oh. <laughs> Dashing pole to pole. 
Making all the plays Covering so much ground Every night and day Crashing into walls Watch them as they fly Giant gaps at target field Where doubles go to die Oh, Byron catches everything Max makes every play If you test Eddie's arm He'll gun you at the play Hey, Byron catches everything Max makes every play If you test Eddie's arm He'll gun you at the play just one year ago, it was an ugly sight. The starting outfield, Abigail Sano and Ryan. Ho, 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 pitchers say their thanks for the luck that they have got. What used to be an extra base now is getting cut. Oh, Byron catches everything, Max makes every play. If you test Eddie's arm, he'll gun you at the play. Byron catches everything, Max makes every play. If you test Eddie's arm, he'll gun you at the play. Yes, songs by the Ulog, Volume Three, all over our social media. Fifty nine ESPN. That's a very positive, uplifting one. A lot of negative twin stuff last year, but they earned it. They lost one hundred three games. Uh, by the way, Mike Berardino is down in Orlando for the winter meetings, and he says the Twins are in on right-handed reliever Steve Sishik, who's right. been a, a power strikeout reliever, kind of a sidewinder. Uh, with closing experience in Seattle and Miami. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to wind up being, I don't know, eight, nine, ten million million a year for a guy like that. But I, if, they, if they landed a Steve Sishik, I think that would be a huge upgrade to the bullpen. Oh, so. definitely, yes. Uh, so worth noting. All right. Uh, this is this has snuck up this time of year, but Todd McShay has added. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Gents, it's volume one or edition one mock draft number one 1.0 on ESPN.com from Todd McShay. Some interesting things here, including where he has the Vikings slotted and who he has them drafting. But I'm going to fly through some highlights. All right. All right. Cleveland Browns number one overall, Sam Darnold, quarterback USC. Mm-hmm. Number two to the Giants, quarterback Josh Rosen from UCLA. Uh, another quarterback comes off the board fifth to the Broncos, Josh Allen from Wyoming. Okay, yep. So Big three game. quarterbacks in the top five. Uh, they got the Browns taking at six, Saquon Barkley, the stud running back from Penn State. And then let me see here. There's going to be another quarterback in the first round. Scroll down. Yeah, there it is. Baker Mayfield, 19th to the Chargers. Really? Ooh, I don't know about that. As a successor uh, to 36-year-old Philip Rivers. That's that's Manziel, yeah. potentially. That could be very Manziel-like. It I could, but hey, like he gets to one. slot in behind. Good organization yeah. for the most part with Philip Rivers and stuff. And I, I don't know. I like that one. Gets okay. to settle in. And with the 29th overall pick, according to Todd McShay's 1.0 mock draft, the Minnesota Vikings select out of Mississippi State, offensive tackle... Martinez Rankin. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Tell me more about Martinez Rankin. Well, I'm glad you asked Give because me the insight. The depth of this roster is showing this season as Case Keenum has stepped in at quarterback and the Vikings haven't missed a beat. There aren't many glaring holes on this team, but Minnesota could still use reinforcements on the offensive line. A former Juco transfer 
Rankin performed well against good SEC competition. And we are talking, uh, so I take it we're talking the Riley Reef replacement long term. Is that right? Or maybe the Mike Remmers replacement okay. on the right side. I like the offensive line. I like uh, bulking he, it up. You know that. He has, I've got his, uh, let me see here. I've got his, uh, I've got his scout page open here on ESPN Insider. <laughs> Rankin projects as a starting strong. left tackle early in his career, and he'll provide depth at multiple positions before he moves into a starting role. So he could move into the first round with a strong second season at Mississippi State. However, he hasn't shown enough on tape to warrant putting him in the top 32 prospects heading into the 2017 season. So he must have had a good yep. 2017 season. All right. So uh, offensive tackle. It's always a boring pick when they go offensive line, but they just haven't done enough of that in the first round. They always wait until third, fourth, fifth round. Go you, get a stud. If you go through their their re- recent drafts, this if they go offensive line first round, I'm fine with it. There have been way too many times where those tackle positions have come up and you're like, what's going on here? After TJ Clemmings, I don't think anyone should ever again complain if this team takes tackles high. If this team decides, you know what, we need a good tackle, mm-hmm. not just a depth guy that we can get in the fifth round. So, mm-hmm. good. Uh, I did find a list of the top five NHL free agents going into last well, Let's hear winter. it because I, I was watching. I watched coverage of this all day long. Carl Alsner. Yeah, he's a good player. What what's what position does he play? Defenseman. Okay, I, you're gonna know these because you're a hockey guy. Right? Yeah, I, I watched the. But coverage. this is why it's not exciting. Alexander Radulov. He's good. It's not exciting to you. But meanwhile, baseball creeps along, and guys don't sign quick. I'm telling you, expedite the process, baseball. Expedite the signings. Did you, did you hear Otani has like a, a, He's got a, a sprained UCL too? He is on the precipice of Tommy John surgery. Yes. Uh, tomorrow, Chip, Lou, Nanny. And uh, plenty more of the two of us, Knuckleheads too, and Dave, complaining about everything.